0: Patients at Risk, a discussion of the dangers that patients face when physicians are replaced with non-physician practitioners. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Bernard, and I am joined by my co-host and the co-author of our book, Patients at Risk: The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare, Dr. Naran Al-Ajba. Good evening. When it comes to discussing the differences in education and training for physicians and nurse practitioners, there's really no one better to help us understand those differences than someone who went through both types of training. And today we are joined by Dr. Tony Manugian. She's an anesthesiologist who was a nurse practitioner prior to attending medical school to become a physician. Dr. Manugian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Tony, you've worked as a registered nurse, a clinical nurse specialist, a critical care nurse practitioner, and a physician. Tell us about your journey.
1: Yeah, I know that sounds like a, a convoluted journey, but I started out as a as a critical care nurse, mostly working in a burn critical care. I love what I did. I just always wanted to know more and learn more, and so I pursued the the nursing journey. And I was encouraged to do that by my colleagues in nursing. And after Starting out as a registered nurse through a diploma program, I then went and did a a bachelor's in nursing, a master's in nursing as a clinical nurse specialist. And that focus was primarily on clinical education of staff nurses. But I think my desire underneath it all was not only to educate staff, but also to take excellent care of patients and to learn more about medicine. And so after maybe uh, 12 or 15 years as a critical care nurse, I then went to a nurse practitioner program. I really quickly found out that that preparation was not going to be what I was looking for that, that really just did not get to the thrust of medicine and the, the depth of understanding how to take care of patients.
0: Tony, you went through a diploma program to become a nurse. And that's actually the most common way that people graduate as a registered nurse is they go through a diploma program as compared to a bachelor's degree program. But the Institute of Medicine and some of the nurse practitioner nursing leaders have really been encouraging nurses to pursue that bachelor's degree. You have some thoughts about the differences. Tell us about that.
1: I remember when I did the diploma program, and th- that was a very strong clinical clinical focus. We were very much uh, in charge of our patients and accountable for what we did from after the introductory, I would say the introductory first semester after that, we were really held accountable to what the standard of care for excellence in nursing was. You know, the baccalaureate programs that I completed and then the master's in nursing after that, it was a lot of theoretical information. There was, we had courses on nursing theory critical thinking, was very much non-clinical in focus. I was thinking that the days of people being accountable and reliant on hospitals for their education, for their jobs, for their livelihood, I think that is what was driving nurses to encourage each other to get away from the Palma schools so that they could perhaps branch out on their own or be more independent, have more options and feel more uh, secure in their livelihoods uh, by having a baccalaureate degree, just like any other profession. But I don't think that, to me, it did not add any layer of excellence to to understanding how to take care of patients.
0: Well, that's something that we uncovered in the book. Actually, there are some studies that say that a diploma program actually often prepares a nurse to right away get into the bedside to caring for patients better than a lot of bachelor degree programs. And because it is a quicker and less expensive route to become a nurse, it seems like it would make more sense to encourage nurses to enter into the field through a diploma program. But that's not the way the nursing organizations have really been structuring nursing now, they're really encouraging nurses to go for a bachelor's. And it doesn't really seem that practical, because like you're saying, you can get a really good foundation and a good training with an associate's level. The only reason that a lot of people go bachelor's is because I think they want to
1: pursue advanced level, like go into a nurse practitioner role. Yes. I think that in, t- in terms of taking care of patients, it isn't really that much shorter to do a diploma program. I mean, at least when I did it, which was many years ago, it was, it was full-time study for sure. You could not do this part-time. To have a bachelor's degree, I mean, perhaps if the focus, if your whole focus of going to nursing school is to move beyond the bedside, then I can see how that would make sense. But people in my class and in in my day of training, we we went into nursing school to to be nurses, to take care of people, to be at the bedside. And we really didn't envision ourselves as being in administration or the C-suite or owning companies or doing private practice aesthetics or any of those other things. We were there to take care of patients. And so that made a lot of sense for us. And our clinical hours of training, aside from classroom were, it was a full day. Towards the end, when we were seniors in nursing school, we had classes probably two days a week, but then the other three days were at the bedside, full eight hours, not including the preparation it took to get ready to, to understand our patients. Tony, at one point you then went
2: back and did a clinical nurse specialist master's degree. Is that right? Yes, that's correct.
1: So can you explain that to us? I did that because at the time my options were to become a nurse anesthetist to do nursing administration, or a nurse educator or clinical nurse specialist, which I thought was going to be the best of the worlds of education and clinical teaching and practice. And I always wanted to remain a clinician, which is why I I did not go for a straight administration type of uh, advanced degrees. So I thought that the clinical nurse specialist would be the best option for me. And I did that. And that was an accelerated program because I had already had a bachelor's degree and was a, a practicing intensive care nurse for many years, so I was offered the option to do this um, intensive uh, training as a clinical nurse specialist and get a master 's Master of Science in Nursing from columbia university and I, you know again, it was very little on clinical focus; it was mostly theoretical information how to talk about nursing theory, how to lead staff, how to design staffing patterns and i was disappointed that was really not what i wanted and when i graduated back in the 90s there was really not that much role for a clinical work like that
2: is that why you went on then to additional schooling to become a nurse practitioner
1: yes i i so i worked for another couple of years after that i i, I taught some i even did a an adjunct role in in a one of the well-known ivy league institutions as a nursing instructor and then I, after a couple of years, did a nurse practitioner role because I heard that another university was offering a nurse practitioner program in critical care, and that was always my focus. So I thought, "Aha, I finally found it. This is going to be it for me but i was I was really disappointed because i I think within the first semester, I realized this is not what I'm after. This is a little bit superficial does not have the foundations in you know understanding clinical medicine. There's little pharmacology. The pharmacology was heavily based on outpatient management because I think at the time the nursing boards were all generic. And so I would have to understand how to also give outpatient type of care as well as critical care. And we did have some classes in ventilator management and some ICU type things, but it really was not what I was looking for, which I I decided that as soon as I could, I would start to figure out how to get into medical school.
0: So Tony, when you went through this critical care nurse practitioner program, theoretically, you were supposed to be then trained and qualified to take care of critically ill patients, right? I mean, that was the
1: idea of this. That was the idea. Yeah, you would you would be working alongside the physicians in an ICU And I think this was pretty innovative at the time. There really weren't many people who were doing this and it wasn't well accepted among the positions that I tried to get employment from when I graduated because they were, it wasn't standardized education. It was, you could have this curriculum at this university and a different one at another university and they knew what PAs were trained to do, but they were not, they didn't really have anything standard for nurse practitioners. So It wasn't well accepted.
0: But we know that there are critical care nurse practitioners in a lot of states that are just running ICUs on their own. And having gone through that experience and, you know, having been certified as a critical care nurse practitioner, do you feel that you could have run an ICU or that you that the education that you were given qualified you to be able to care for these critically ill patients?
1: No, in no in no way was I qualified to do that at the time, and and I was an experienced critical care nurse for over a decade before I even tried to do this education as a nurse practitioner with a specific focus in critical care. And speaking for myself, no, I was not well prepared because it is different. You know, I think that our education in NP training was based on algorithms, what you saw before you repeat or. You try to understand based on experiences that you've seen on rounds or you commonly see admitted, but you don't have the understanding or the background in medicine to understand when differences occur, when things are, are not the routine. And, and that's really what, what is, you know, every patient deserves that. You can't expect to treat people for the most part okay enough. Everybody deserves to have the best. And if if you don't understand medicine, then, you know, you really can't uh, practice based on what you did before because every day is different. Every patient is different.
0: Well, you know, the other thing is just the sheer number of hours, you know, that doctors that get a critical care fellowship training that they're doing three to four years, and getting up to like 20,000 hours of experience. But yet, I believe last time I checked the number of minimum clinical hours that a nurse practitioner needed to be certified in critical care, I think it was like 500 for a master's degree. So 500 hours, and supposedly now you can work in some places independently in an intensive care setting, whereas a physician would take Fifteen to 20,000 hours before they would be permitted to do that. So to me, it just isn't really logical. It doesn't make sense why it would take one professional all these hours, and yet the other one supposedly can do it in just a fraction of the time.
1: Absolutely not. First of all, to, to address what you mean by certified in critical care as a nurse practitioner, I'm not sure I know what that means, because you can be certified as a family nurse practitioner and have a job in a critical care unit. And your nursing education in your MP training is in family care. And so I don't even know how that relates to an ICU environment. And people who do critical care fellowships have different requirements based on what their residencies are. For example, I'm an anesthesiologist. So I did four years of training after medical school as an anesthesiologist. And our focus every single day of the week is essentially critical care and then we do a year fellowship in critical care and an internal medicine graduate would do three years of internal medicine and then two years as a critical care intensivist because perhaps their everyday life is not as intense as in anesthesia so it's very different and i for the life of me cannot understand how nurses who are essentially new grads come out of school maybe work a year or two and are immediately enrolled in a nurse practitioner program, perhaps in family care, perhaps in acute care medicine, acute care nursing, pardon me, which is nothing like the rigors that we go through in residency, the accountability, just even the sheer dedication it takes to get in our residency programs in medical school. That's a whole other discussion. If you're, if you're looking at nurse practitioner programs that have nearly 100% acceptance rate, where's the impotence to push and push to get really what you want to be and, and strive for that when it's handed to you?
2: Could you talk a little bit about what it was like when you were in your nurse practitioner program? Were you kind of told you would be an independent critical care person, equivalent to the doctors? Or like, what, what's the prevailing kind of mantra, I guess, when you're when you're doing a more specialized nurse practitioner program like that.
1: So from day one, uh, it was it was many years ago. But from day one, we were told that we were going to be the leaders in healthcare, we were as good as the doctors, if not better, and we did not need to be accountable the way physicians assistants are, we could work independently. And I was wide eyed sitting there in the chair thinking, how can this possibly be? <laughs> how can I practice? I, I came to this program because I didn't understand what the doctors were doing. And now on day one, you're telling me that I'm just as good as the physicians. I, I didn't understand that. I was looking at it, you know, with the critical eye, like I do everything. And it didn't, it didn't add up to me.
0: But you have the insight to realize that, you know, unfortunately, I think that there are probably some people maybe that don't have nursing experience like you did, and they hear all this and then they believe it. And I think then that is very dangerous because they're given this inflated self sense of self-confidence. And that's when patients get hurt. Unfortunately,
1: I think so. I can I can see that because I think I, I bought a little bit into this in the beginning until the ball was really in my court. And I thought okay, I'm the one putting my name on this prescription. I'm going to be accountable for this. Do I really have the, you know, the belief that I'm doing the right thing for the patients? And, and uh, I didn't think I was well prepared enough with that kind of training. But in the beginning, I I kind of bought that and, and my family will tell you that I I used to spout that stuff. And, <laughs> but when push came to shove, no it's not the right level of training. And, and still, I still strive every day to, to keep on top of my game. And there's no way you can come out of an 18 month online program and be prepared.
2: Tell me a little bit more about your decision to go to medical school. You said you sort of decided in the first semester of NP school, but I guess I just want to hear more. And then maybe what you thought once you got into medical school and started the process.
1: Yeah. I mean, I went to the MP program because I, I really wanted to understand why physicians made the decisions they did. I wanted to have that information, that knowledge. And so I went into that program, but then, as I said, I quickly realized that the, the kinds of courses I was taking in critical thinking, nursing theory, and all of this wasn't going to get me there. I wanted to drop out. My husband, who's an internist, endocrinologist, and he advised me just finish the program and start applying to medical school. So that's what I started to do because I wanted to be an intensivist. I, I, I think I've always wanted to be an intensivist. And I worked in a burn unit most of my uh, nursing career. And I thought I was going to go be a burn surgeon, but I didn't like surgery enough. So, But I knew I wanted to do critical care. So it was a very hard journey to to figure out how as a you know, I was in my late thirties with two kids. How do I get into medical school? No one was advising me. I didn't have a college program helping me. I was just basically knocking on doors of deans of medical school saying, how do I do this? What do I do? I had to take all of my pre-medical courses. I had to take organic chemistry, physics, uh, one and two and everything. You know, nursing did not prepare me for that kind of basic sciences. No way the sciences I took in nursing school were, you know, a lot of statistics for nurses, math for nurses. It was very different because you had to be ready to take the MCATs and then use organic chemistry and genetics in your basic sciences in medical school. So, so I did that and it was a struggle to even get there to understand it. But I think that's another way that separates doctors from the nurse practitioners is that nothing is handed to us. We need to fight to get a seat in medical school. We need to earn that place, earn our rankings on our seats in medical school so that we can get a good residency and then take our step exams. It isn't just about if you can pass those exams, but it's to be well enough prepared that you can get the best residency you can because let's say, like myself, I wanted to be an anesthesiologist, and I, I needed to live in the New York City area, you had to be like, pretty much on top of your game to get a seat there. It wasn't handed to you. That I think trickles down to my daily care. What I see in daily practice is that people will call me as I'm on my way out the door at night and ask me a question or ask me to speak to a patient's family. And yeah, you take your coat off and you just, you just go do what you have to do. Your shift isn't over until it's over. That is built into the integrity that develops when you when you have to really struggle to get your seat and maintain your seat and have that level of commitment. It, it, it's reflective in everything you do as a physician.
0: I just want to tell you how inspired I am by your story because I hear from a lot of Nurses and nurse practitioners, and they tell me, you know, I really wanted to be a physician. I just couldn't, or there was, it wasn't something I knew how to proceed with, or I had kids, or I had, you know, all these different barriers that stopped them. And you had every barrier. You were married, you had children, you were an older student for going to medical school, which unfortunately there is some ageism that we see in medical school that I've heard about recently. And so you had so many things that you had to fight against. And here you were, you didn't have to do any of that. You were a nurse, you were a a clinical nurse specialist and a critical care nurse practitioner. But yet it was important enough to you that you fought to become a physician. And I think it's just so inspiring. And I'm so impressed with you. And I think it's really should be inspirational to anybody listening. That is really just, well, I really, really, my heart really wants this, but I just don't know if I can do it. And here's an example of someone that did it and to show that yes, they can do that if this is what they want.
1: Thank you that I appreciate that. And and yes, anybody can do it if they really, really want to, you know, I mean, I spent probably two years trying to figure out how to get into medical school, and take the MCAS retake the MCAS. And I, I just did it because it's it's what I it's really what I wanted to do. And if I could go back now that I see um, the easier path that nurse practitioners have, would I do it? I would still say no, because I would not be as prepared. I, I just would not love what I do as, as much as I do every day when I go to work. And um, I, I think also that excellence for clinical care, that was instilled in me in my diploma program as a nurse. And I, I'm not sure that that kind of education, that type of really compassionate care and drive for excellence is present in a lot of the fast track programs that we see for nurses today.
2: Well, and I I was just going to add to Rebecca's point, I've sat on the admissions committee now for about 25 years, uh, where, where, where I'm at, you know, at the University of Washington, and we as a whole would love students like you. So I, the reason I'm mentioning that is uh, I admire what you've done and I think that anyone who's listening to this if they are a nurse or nurse practitioner interested in going to medical school, you're sort of a natural fit just because you already love clinical care in general, you have experience with patients, you're uh, what we call a mature student which actually for many med schools, they don't want the 19-year-old fresh out of college. They're, they really want somebody in their mid to late 20s, even early 30s. We had a student in our in her 40s in med school who was tremendous. So it's really something that makes, I think, a well-rounded physician. And I'm, I'm sure your patients appreciate the fact that you have this nursing background. I mean, it's just your your breadth of experience is phenomenal.
1: Thank you. I think that comes across in my clinical care, but I have to say... That people will, would have said to me in medical school, my classmates would say, well, you, you don't have to take all the classes, right? Because you were a nurse. Like, no, I have to take everything because that type of pathophysiology, histology, that's not covered in nursing. But boy, I, I could go in and talk to a family member and start an IV, put an A-line, and I could do those things very well. But the basic sciences, we don't have that. And you, and you honestly, you really do need that. You know, I think you're totally right that
0: medical schools would be very wise to look closely at candidates that are in a second career, especially considering that so many physicians are burning out and wanting to retire when they're in their mid 50s. So if you got a student that was in their 30s or even early 40s, you get just as much work out of them as you would as somebody who went straight through and then just says, I can't do this anymore. So, and some of the most dedicated physicians that I know were second career physicians, and they just brought such a wealth of knowledge and experience that really helped them take care of patients really well.
1: I would like to say one more thing in that when when I went to nursing school in a diploma program, we all went there because we wanted to take care of patients. And what I see now is so disheartening is a lot of uh, young people are going, even people in second careers, going into nursing because they want to be nurse practitioners. And I see people coming to the bedside, and they're in and out. And as soon as they graduate, they're already in an MP program. And it's really um, a disservice to the bedside nurses who have put decades into that profession, that they're not somehow valued enough that whomever is deciding on salaries and career advancement is is, uh, valuing the nurse practitioners, even if they have only been working for four years or five years, they're more valued than are the staff nurses at the bedside, which is, I think it's a real shame. It's a shame for the patients. And for me as, as a working physician, needing to rely on You know, when a nurse comes up to me and I know who that person is and their experience and they tell me something, I'm listening. And it's a whole different ball of wax when it's a a new grad with very limited experience. And, And as a future patient one day, I want that experienced nurse who loves what they're doing. You're so
0: right. And what even studies are showing now is that the nurse practitioner role is driving nurses away from the bedside, Uh, many of them because they're just seeking to get away from nursing, but many because they're not even going to nursing school to become nurses. They want to just go straight through and be a nurse practitioner. And what's really unfortunate is this, this political agenda by some nursing leaders is taking a toll on bedside nurses, which is really the bedrock of our healthcare system, I think. And your points are really well made and it's really disappointing to see that happening and i my heart goes out to nurses both my mom and my dad were registered nurses and went through diploma programs themselves and i just have so much respect for anyone that stays at the bedside that is really a, a tremendously difficult job to do doesn't always get respect from hospital leaders and managers and yet it's it's something that's so important
2: absolutely
0: in fact speaking of nurse the nurse practitioner role and how there's been this surge of diploma mills and a drive to graduate more NPs. You were a nurse practitioner professor or was it a nursing professor?
1: I was an adjunct professor at a university. Uh, That was a master's program. That was an accelerated master's program in a critical care tract. Did you have any concerns about the quality of care or the nurses that were going through
0: that program?
1: Yeah. You know, I myself went through that program for the master's degree when I was getting that clinical and specialist. And some of my clinical courses were really had nothing to do with the meat of taking care of critically ill patients. So, and I was a practicing nurse at the time. So sometimes I could just put clinical experience as part of those practicums as work I was already doing. And I I had colleagues become my preceptors. But when I was an adjunct associate professor, I, yeah, I was asked to pass. Um, one particular student. I mean, her work was, I think, very substandard. I, I I do have high standards, but that was one person among the couple of dozen that were in the program, and uh, I, I didn't want to pass her because I thought the work was really not up to a master's level in nursing. And I was told by the administration in that school to pass her.
2: So I guess uh, as we're as we're rounding down in here, I guess my my real question is: you've been everything. I mean, really, you've been absolutely everything from start to finish in medicine, in a way, and in and in nursing. So what is the solution to what's happening right now in this country? I mean, again, not that you necessarily have all the answers. I don't think any of us do. But because you have such a well-rounded breadth of background experience and schooling, how would you like to see the system of
1: team-based care work? Well, first of all, I would like to maintain the presence of residents in our critical care units and on our medicine wards. I, I see those spots being dwindled down and replaced by nurse practitioners and nurse practitioner students. And that really kind of breaks my heart because I think uh, the residents have, you know, they have a right to be there. They need to be there. They need to be respected when they're there. And I would hope that they continue to be trained by physicians and not be trained by our allied health providers. And then as far as our nurse practitioners and physicians assistants, and nurse anesthetists, for that matter, I have worked with many, many over the years, and I enjoy working with them. And I think overall, I have a good working relationship with them. I just do not envision them being the leaders of healthcare or having independent practice. I just think that the routine stuff, okay, stuff by algorithms, and what we do every day is fine. But there's, there's just so much more to that. That is not what medicine is. So independent practice, no. Working alongside us and, and within teams, absolutely. Do they have a value? Of course. And I think we also really need to value our bedside nurses. And I think that there would not be such a drive into nurse practitioner schools if our bedside nurses were happy and valued and respected.
0: I think you're so right. In our last couple of minutes, Tony, you're just really amazing because on top of all of this, you're also just about to finish your MBA degree. And I just, it's amazing. Tell us why you decided
1: to pursue an MBA. So I've been, you know, I've just been, you know, looking and watching and seeing who is in our C-suite and why I can't get funding for one initiative or another or equipment and thinking, well, you know, why not? Why not me? I see, you know, some, even some nurses in our C-suite with uh, MBAs. And certainly if anyone is going to be the drivers of healthcare, it should be the physicians because we truly are the ones who understand what it takes to take care of patients and where we should be going in healthcare. And if if that's requires an MBA to, to be able to speak the financial language, the accounting language, you know, the managerial language, then okay, fine, I'll do it. Because I've got a great cohort in my MBA program. It's an all MD MBA program, and there are a whole cadre of people just like me who who know that physicians should be the leaders in healthcare. And it isn't necessarily about the bottom line. Yeah, you need, you need to be financially savvy to be able to hold your head above water, but it is the doctors who understand how to take care of patients and what we need to do that. I'm really uh, thrilled to be a part of this MBA program. That's, well, you
0: really uh, are truly the, uh, the epitome of physician-led care and a physician-leading care. So I want to thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Tony Manoogian for joining us and telling us her story. I'd like to thank my co-host, Dr. Naran Al-Ajba. And I would like to encourage all of our listeners out there. If you'd like to learn more about this issue, please get our book. It's called Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. It's available at amazon.com and at barnesandnoble.com. And we would encourage all physicians out there to join us at Physicians for Patient Protection, our website, physiciansforpatientprotection.org. And of course, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and to our YouTube channel, Patients at Risk. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next show.